Welcome to the Mile High Champions League Weekly Podcast. I am your host, The Commish, and with me, as always, is YouTube's number one consumer of K-pop music, Big Nolski. How are you, sir? Oh, I'd be better if I was listening to some cake pop music right now, but I guess I'll take a break from that. Yeah, there's just so much. How are you? But, uh, I'm fine. Um, I've got a mm, above-average size glass of scotch next to me. I'm ready to talk some football. I am so excited that football is back. I can't tell you. It's, it's been a long summer, and I'm very much looking forward to what is arguably the best time of year, fall, because football's back. Get some amazing beers. If, if you're into pumpkin spice lattes, they're going to roll around. Pumpkin spice everything, quite frankly, is going to be rolling up pretty soon here. Weather cools down. The leaves Sweaters. are beautiful. Sweaters. I mean, it's it's just what God intended when he made seasons. And he kind of made, you know, spring was like, whoops. Um, so that's why we have fall, is it, it rounds everything out nicely. So let's get back to the whole reason why we're all here. Fantasy football. Now, this is going to be potentially... <laughs> A shorter podcast, given the fact that we're just going to be doing some previews today, but we might just go long because we love talking bullshit in football. So yeah, there's bullshit. no obviously MVT or MVP right now, awards or survival challengers, but we are going to start off the, the year even with a shithead of the week that Noel found, and it was very entertaining. So please, Noel, go ahead. All right. So with the somewhat surprising retirement of Andrew Luck, uh, Mike, you might have thought the shithead of the week would have been Jim Ursay. Because, you know, he was the one that oversaw the franchise that allowed Andrew Luck to sustain injuries that are consistent with being in multiple car accidents. But no, or maybe even Colts fans who, upon hearing the news, started booing him while he was on the field. No, that would be, I don't know, too easy or just too broad. Instead, it was, my shit of the week is Doug Gottlieb, who is a radio host for Fox Sports. He took to Twitter, immediately following the news, to say, retiring because rehabbing is quote-unquote, too hard, is the most millennial thing ever. Hashtag Andrew Luck. And when he caught massive amounts of shit about that from not just random people on Twitter, but Troy Aikman, Mike Golick, and former NFL players, he took back to Twitter to say, oh, I'm a smartass, I've always been, and I always will be. Oh, and if you want to point out the fact that he uh, got in trouble at Notre Dame for stealing a uh, teammate's credit card number... He said, you need to move on because that stuff's been or asked and answered. So cool. Oh, yeah. And when he said he was being sarcastic, he also then went in a rant about how millennials are lazy and, you know, stuff like that. So totally sarcastic. So great job, Doug. So there you go, folks. Always be kind to your fellow man because sometimes you have to leave the NFL a very rich man because you've been run over by huge guys and it's like getting hit by cars, as Noel said. So... You know what? I um, I was shocked when I heard about Andrew Luck leaving. I think a lot of people were, but I can't blame the guy. Now, you know, we had a champion of the week um, a couple years back instead of just doing shithead of the week. I would actually, believe it or not, give champion of the week to Jim Ursay and to the Indianapolis Colts. They very well could have kept almost $25 million dollars that they could have legally grabbed back from Andrew Luck and just didn't. It was basically like a nice severance, thank you for playing for us type of deal. So, very much so. I think that was a very um, magnanimous thing for him to do. And I think it was, uh, I respect him more for that. However, I still think he is a tremendous, <laughs> tremendous douchebag. So let's go on to the previews of the week because this is week one. We only have previews. Let's start off, Noel and I are going to rate each other's games or look at each other's games and then start going into all of the other teams in the league. Now, as you know, Noel and I are both experts, absolute <laughs> experts in bullshit. So we are just musing ourselves after playing fantasy football for this is our 12th year, Noel, 13th year together. Something like that. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's been quite a long time, um, and you know one of the reasons why I asked Noel to be on this podcast first place is not just because he's a dear friend, but because he does know, I would argue, uh, of everyone in the league and everyone that I know the most about football in general, and there's actually knowing people who have played college and pro football. Noel knows more than these people, so I still very much highly rate and rank his opinions on the matter. So I wouldn't make adjustments based off of what we say <laughs> but maybe consider what we say as either a 
confirmation of your own ideas that you've set up your lineups or a challenge to that as to maybe why you didn't do something. Maybe we're seeing it from a different light and say, oh, that's interesting. I disagree. I'm still going to start Andrew Luck. So who knows? At any rate, let's start off, Noel. I'm going to start with your game, the Titletown Warriors, The which, by the way, that is one of the most persistent names in the My High Champions League. In fact, in fact, it is no, it's it's uh, no, it is. Excuse me, forgive me. You you have had the longest uh, running name in the Mile High Champions League with the Title Town Warriors. Brandon technically changed his, even though he's been the Littleton Spartans for the longest time. He was Spartans fifty two eighty years and years ago. I was the Mavericks. Now I'm Lincoln's Mavericks, so I've technically changed my name. And Kenfield, despite being in the league from the get-go, has changed his name yep. from other things to American Doomgivers. So we have people that have been in this league from the start. But you are the only person now, Noel, that has kept the name from the very beginning, the Titletown Warriors. So I just wanted to mention that. I think that's quite neat. It shows the heritage not only of the Titletown Warriors themselves, the Green Bay Packers, but of the uh, kind of person that you are. So at any rate, let's actually look at the game here. Right off the bat, mathematically speaking, with the always accurate adjustment, what is ever this called, the ranking system, I just read adjust scoring, so that doesn't make any sense. But we have nine players on each side. Vanessa's projected to win 175 to 165. I can't offer any sort of insights as to whether that is good or bad at this point. This is just the computer making up assumptions. And since I haven't seen these players play this year, I have no idea. So the only way that I can really look at this is go line by line and figure out which, which one of these players I think might be better on either squad. And then at the very end, maybe we'll see if there's a, an assumption that comes from that. So looking at, let's start from the very top and move down. Quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson versus Kyler Murray. I think I would go by safety's sake with Deshaun Watson, having never seen Kyler Murray play in the NFL. Now that is completely speculative, just because Kyler Murray could easily blow up the Detroit defense and just go to town on them. So I don't know if that's that's being bold by picking the the safe guy, or and you know some people might say, well, Kyler Murray is going to be the number one guy. I have no idea. I think Deshaun Watson is a proven player. He was the number four quarterback last year, so I think he's got a lot going for him. So apologies, Noel, but I would have to pick Deshaun Watson there. Running back David Johnson and Christian McCaffrey. The projections have Christian McCaffrey over Johnson. I disagree. I think with Kyler Murray there, you will open up the defense to passing, which will also mean David Johnson will have more running lanes available to him. And because he's a PPR monster, he should get tons of points. So the computer is picking Christian McCaffrey, but as a human, I'm going to pick David Johnson. They're even here. In the wide receiver slot, we have Keenan Allen stud versus Julio Jones bigger stud. So I have to give it to Julio Jones there. As as good as Keenan Allen is and as consistent as Keenan Allen is, I think Julio Jones, from a player standpoint, is just a better player. The only problem is they're playing at Minnesota, and that might present some problems for a good old Julio. Going to the tight end position, we have Eric Ebron versus Darren Waller. Who is Darren Waller, Noel? So he has been around the league for a little while now. He's very tall. He's very fast, but he has struggled with some addiction issues that have basically cost him his career so far. But uh if you've watched the train wreck that has been the uh, hard knocks with the uh, preseason with, or sorry, mini camp with the Oakland soon to be Las Vegas Raiders, you'd see that he's one of the breakout stars. Plus it's a, my thought process was it's a John Gruden offense. Jared Cook had a huge year last year. So mm-hmm. he's a starting tight end and uh, it's pretty thin at tight end. So there he is. Okay. Very good. I had never seen him before. Thank you for that explanation. I think, uh, with with that explanation, I would still go with Eric Ebron just because he was the number four tight end last year, and he is, I think, going to want to prove himself. And I know that Jacoby Brissett is a very good quarterback. Um, you know, I'd say uh, above average might be a bit of a stretch, but he's good. I, th- I think that he will certainly um, keep that offense alive. I don't think Andrew Luck's departure is going to be, you know, it's not like the Patriots losing Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, you know, as much as I like Andrew Luck as not just a player, but as a person, he was not making big impacts on the Indianapolis Colts for the last three years, arguably. So I don't think it's going to be that big of a loss for them. So Jacoby Brissett coming in should just basically be business as usual for the struggling Colts. 
So Eric Ebron, I think, is a huge weapon in that offense, and they'll continue to use him. So I'm going to give my vote to Eric Ebron. In the flex one position, we have Dalvin Cook, Minnesota running back versus Cooper Cup, Los Angeles Cup. Rams wide receiver. I have to give it to Dalvin Cook. That guy is an absolute beast in Minnesota, and they like to run the ball, um, especially since Kurt is Kurt or Kirk. Uh, Mr. Cousins is uh, um, good. That's the one. Okay, so Kurt uh, is a good quarterback, but I think they're still going to want to – he hasn't really found his groove yet in Minnesota. So if that's the case, keep running the ball because it's a lot harder to fail on the ground than it is through the air. So I have to give this one to Dalvin Cook. Aaron Jones versus Chris Carson in the flex position. Now, Noel, I'm actually going to defer – even though this is your own game, I'm going to defer this pick to you because I really like Aaron Jones, but – but Seattle's run has been very dynamic and different since even Skittles' Marshawn Lynch beast mode was there. So who is Chris Carson, and what do you think he's going to do this year? So Chris Carson, uh, actually remember a couple years, actually almost three years ago now, my dad and I were at a bar here in Seattle watching the Seahawks preseason game against the Vikings, and we're both like, who is this guy? He runs really hard, he makes just quick decisions, and he just keeps moving. And he's... I can't remember what school he went to. He was a late round draft pick. He's been money, but I think last year he got hurt. Uh, he, he's just, he's really good, especially with what the Seahawks are doing now with uh, oh Brian Schottenheimer as their offensive coordinator, where they're doing a lot more traditional runs as opposed to what you talked about, Mike, with uh, Daryl Bevel, where it was a lot more runs just out of the shotgun. They use a tight end, not tight end. They use a fullback now. So they pound the ball. Um, this is actually one, Mike, where, as much as I like Chris Carson, I actually think Aaron Jones, this is the only place where I really disagree with the uh, projection line here. Well, not as far as the projection, just the check mark. I think Aaron Jones should have a better game because while I like Chris Carson, they have some good running backs in Seattle lined up behind him. And they've got guys that can match kind of his size and his ability. So while he's very good, it's a deep backfield and uh, they don't really have that in Green Bay. That was going to be my follow-up question is I, I, I hate two and particularly three-headed monsters in the backfield where you don't know uh, who's going to run. Like in San Francisco, for example, Matt Rita or is it McKinnon? I can't recall. One of those two was just hurt and put on IR. I think it was They McKinnon. were part of it. Was it McKinnon? That's, that's kind of what I was leaning towards because uh, I remember seeing that on ESPN while watching college football. The One of them, one of those two, I don't remember exactly which one, obviously. But – their three-headed monster now is a two-headed monster, so it makes those guys more valuable. Like you're saying in Seattle, when you have multiple running backs doing multiple things, it could be very challenging. So I actually agree with you there. I would go with Aaron Jones. Also, too, because I would favor teams that have a better quarterback for running back, wide receiver, and tight end positions, generally because they can get more done on an offense than than a, a worse quarterback so not to say that Russell Wilson is a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination but Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers and he is quite quite good so I would think I agree with you all I think Aaron Jones deserved the check mark there going to the defenses and going to the special teams here I think the Rams are the ones to own this week even though they're going against a very tough Carolina uh, offense I think Jacksonville is going to be decent this year and the Chiefs have been a little bit on the struggle bus I think the Chiefs had a they have a good defense, but not a great defense. The Rams should they're have. they're changing schemes, too. So they're going from a 3-4 to a 4-3 with, I don't know why they hired him, Steve Spagnolo of uh, New York Giants fame. He had two really good defenses and won a couple Super Bowls and hasn't done shit since. <laughs> okay, so that figuring out that big scheme change is probably going to take some time. So that they might, they might be – they'll probably have a good week. I'm not saying they're going to suck. Uh, but they probably won't be as good as the Rams are. So kickers, they, they gave it to Robbie Gould in San Francisco, probably, because they're not going to be able to drive the ball too hard to the end zone. They The San Francisco us. 49ers are not great in the red zone. And then Hauschka of Buffalo, you need to get to the red zone to make that even count. So Buffalo just barely gets out of their own side of the 50, let alone getting down to the red zone. So I think that one is correct. Punters, sure, let's go with Tennessee there right for Vanessa's side. Actually, look at this. Brett Kern was the number one punter in the Mile High Champions League last year. So <laughs> going off of momentum and history, I got to give it to Kern. So in total, in total, wow, 
this is a very tough call here because there are good guys in both of the side of the equation here. I'm going to have to go with – I'm going to go with a projection and say that Vanessa is probably going to win this week just because of Deshaun Watson. Uh, the the Or actually there are two factors that are ringing true in my head. Deshaun Watson, I think, will probably do better than Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray will really, really come into his own and probably be a top 10 quarterback by the end of the year. But in the first couple games, he'll throw plenty of yards because he's going to want to prove himself. He's going to throw several touchdowns, I would imagine. But coming with that, he'll throw a couple picks. That would be that would be my forecast for him. So I think Deshaun Watson will edge out Murray, and I think Christian McCaffrey has the potential to blow up just because that dude is amazing and dynamic and also a PPR monster like David Johnson. So he might be able to push himself a little bit further. So – I think this is going to be a real close game, but edging it out by the smallest margin, I would say Vanessa will take week one. So let's go to uh, my game, Noel. Go nuts. All right. So this week has you, Mike, facing off against the wonderfully <laughs> named Space Force. Yes. And while this game, um, it is the line's pretty close with you projected to get 165.6 to Nick's 161.1. Um, the... <laughs> The computer projections really like uh, the advantage to all but one of your uh, one player against uh, Nick's here. Sir, wait, yeah, it is Nick. Sorry, I just had a brain fart, but I got it right at the same time. Hooray! Um, but I will say this: fortune favors the bold, and Nick has gone bold here. Jared Goff against Carolina defense, which hopefully will be better than last year, but I think Goff and the Rams also have a lot to prove after that. Just abysmally boring Super Bowl performance. And going to Baker Mayfield, who I think is poised for an even better year than he had last year, but Tennessee's defense is... I, I can't name one player on their defense, but they're really good. So I think that's the correct uh, advantage there to Goff. Then on Johnson gets the tick over David Montgomery, who is, I think, penciled in as the starting running back for Chicago. He is a rookie either second or third round pick who looked very good in the preseason. So that could be a, could be a big, uh, big boon there for Nick, but I do agree with the computer here. The carry on Johnson's better start. Odell Beckham jr. Obviously over Adam Thielen, even though Adam Thielen is a great receiver, it's Odell Beckham jr. But here's your problem, Mike. Uh, the better Odell Beckham jr. Does the better Baker Mayfield does, but since it's a receiver, he does get, a little bit more of the advantage to Baker Mayfield. Um, here is where you're only uh, not check, Mike, where you're losing out to Travis Kelsey, of course, the number one tight end from last year and probably one of the top players if you look at them from last year as well. Going against uh, your Kyle Rudolph, who I think you just added. Did you not, Mike? Uh-oh. You still there, Mike? Oh, I hear you. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Then we've got... Tyreek Hill, number one receiver from last year, going against George Kittle, which, again, bold, bold moves here. Starting two tight ends is Nick. Um, so that's interesting. Mark Ingram going against Sony Michael, or is it Michelle? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I like Mark Ingram here, even though he's a little bit older, got some wear on there, and he's going to have to split some carries, but... The New England backfield, Mike, you've seen this before. You never know how it's going to start off. And, like, it will finish completely different. But at the beginning of the year, you don't know who Belichick's going to trot out there and how they're going to split carries. Bill's defense against a uh, Adam Gase-led now New York Giants or New York Jets offense. So uh, I think the check mark deserves to be there. Even though it is the Broncos defense going against the Oakland offense. Um, it just, you know, new year, new defense. Could be close. I, obviously, I think Mike and I would both like the Broncos defense to do better. Um, Will Lutz obviously gets the check mark against Greg Zerline, Greg the leg, because he's just never as good at fantasy as we would think he should be as, where Will Lutz is money. And then, uh, Mike, how the hell do you pronounce your punter's name? Uh, his name is Corey Borjuquez. Is it Borjuquez or Bajorquez? <laughs> I have no idea. His name is Corey. Yes, He'll be punting the ball a lot, as where uh, Sam Cook, not Coke, even though it's spelled like that, uh, he does punt the ball a lot. I thought he better for me last year, but he doesn't do a lot within the 20, so, you know, there's that. So, 
Mike, I like your team this week, but, uh, you know, Nick's bold. It's hard to argue with boldness. Yeah, it did, did well last year. I agree with that because there's – I think there's two things that you need in fantasy football. Number one is consistency. You need to be able to put up points every single week. However, you need to balance that with bold players because you need those guys like – a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle or a Baker Mayfield to blow it up so that you can actually beat your opponent. I did a study years ago. This is probably about five years ago of what the average score needed to make the playoffs was. And it's been going up every single year because we've been, you know, adding a punter or changing the scoring, all this kind of stuff. But right now it's about 140 points a game. You need to score to beat your opponent consistently. So the problem is, most teams can't consistently get to that mark. Most most teams will hit between 100 and 120. So you need a little extra octane in the tank there to get you to 140, 150, 200, like some of the scores you've seen in the past. So I completely agree with you. I, I, I actually really like Nick's team. We were actually talking about a potential trade even before the season started because I have garbage tight ends, and he's got two amazing t- – yeah. So – um, Nick has an embarrassment of tight end riches that he, he can certainly wheel and deal later in the season should he so desire. But at any rate, yeah, I think he's got a great team, and it'll be a, it'll be a fun first week to watch. Now let's go on to the next game, the Legend of Lincoln, Courtney's team versus And Into the Flame, which is Ben's team. Ask Ben what that means because I have no idea. No so idea. Looking, no, not even a – I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, Ben's team is projected to be Courtney's team by 7.6 points, which in the grand scheme of our fantasy football league is nothing. So it might as well be even. It's just a slight edge to, to Ben's team here. Now, looking at these players, it's going to be tough. So number one in the um, in the quarterback position, we have Patrick Mahomes reported versus Carson Wentz. I had Wentz last year. He was a complete bomb when hurt. I – yeah, he was not not what I wanted um, at times. And then when I dropped him, dude just lit it up. So I think that it's hard. It's going to be hard to tell which which Carson you're going to get to start the season. Overall, I think he'll be fine. But it's I just don't like the receiving core in Philadelphia either. So I think that obviously it has to go to Patrick Mahomes. He's, I mean, there were some ESPN pundits and Fox pundits and all these other fantasy gurus that were saying. Some folks are taking Patrick Mahomes in a first-round type scenario. Now, we're an auction system, so it doesn't have that same cachet. But can you imagine taking a quarterback in today's fantasy world, Noel, in the first round? I mean, that was we were doing that back in 2007 and 2008. Like People were snagging Tom Brady off the board very early, but not today. Remember the higher drafted Trent Green? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I remember that. There, there are two there are two picks that actually stick out in my mind. Vanessa got Tom Brady early in the draft, first round, 2007. The thing about that is he got hurt that, that year sad. in the very first game. You remember that? And then she still went on to win. So kudos to Vanny there. The, the silliest draft pick I think I've ever seen was Matt Bronco taking Mason Crosby in the fourth round. <laughs> Took a kicker. In the time period, you should be filling arguably your starting wide receiver or tight end or flex with a kicker. So that was the funniest pick, in my opinion. The funniest thing ever was Kenfield's little glitter mouth after eating that cupcake before the Vegas draft. But that's that's a whole other story of another glass of beer. So, at any rate, Patrick Mahomes, that's my pick. Nick Chubb versus Le'Veon Bell. The computer's picking Nick Chubb here. And I agree because Le'Veon Bell is – arguably the best running back in the NFL right now, but he's playing in a new system. So I don't know if he'll be able to start that fire like he did in Pittsburgh, especially taking an entire year off of the NFL. So I'm sure he worked out in that time frame, but there's a big difference between playing, getting the reps, getting to, to, to actually exercise your skills, and sitting on the sideline and going to the gym. So I think Le'Veon Bell, again, finished top 10 easily this year, but Nick Chubb, in a Baker Mayfield office with Odell Beckham Jr. stretching the field out and all the other weapons they have, like David Njoku and tight end taking the middle, the shortened middle part of the fields up, I think that's just going to open up holes for Chubb. I think Cleveland's actually going to be a good team this year, believe it or not. And they haven't been a good team since, what, 1998? 
I don't even know how long it's been uh, since they no. actually had a winning record. Well, they they went to the playoffs a couple times with the, or at least one time I, I know that of the second uh, iteration of the Browns, but they haven't really been good since. Believe it or not, uh, what is it? I mentioned oh, uh, Marty Fuck. <laughs> um, Marty Fuck. <laughs> Marty Schottenheimer was their coach, and even before that, like he didn't really, he didn't win a championship. He just won a playoff game. They were great in the '60s. There's <laughs> oh, that '50s and '60s. They were fantastic, but yeah, yeah, that's because they had Jim Brown just Jim wherever Brown, he went. Yep, autogram uh, the actual Paul Brown, who was their coach, and yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I think that <laughs> the new modern the Cleveland Browns are going to be a pretty good team this year. I would say go so far, this would be my bold prediction. I would bet they would at least go 8-8 eight and eight this year. So I don't know if they're playoff contender. They may be because they're playing in an okay division. But I think that uh, very they, they're going to get a lot more wins than they had last year. I think, um, you know, the, the old thing, suck for luck, sucking for Mayfield, I think paid off. And now that they've really bolstered their offense and they have a good defense too, I think they're going to be a contender this year. It's weird to say that about Cleveland. Weird to say that about Jacksonville, but especially about Cleveland. I think they're going to be good this year. So I got to give it to Nick Chubb here. In the wide receiver position, uh, we have T.Y. Hilton for Courtney and DeAndre Hopkins for Ben. I think this one has to go to DeAndre Hopkins. As we were just talking about, Sean Watson is a phenomenal quarterback. They're playing indoors in New Orleans, so that's, that's good. T.Y. Hilton has reps, has experience, has good rapport, I believe, with Jacoby Brissett, but he's not the same thing as DeAndre Hopkins no, syncing up. Yeah, so it, those guys just – they get it. They, they're on the same wavelength, so they don't have to have the same kind of connection that T.Y. Hilton and Brissett have to have to really hit off the points there. So I think that easily goes in Hopkins' favors. Zach Ertz versus Njoku, we were just talking about him. I think Njoku's going to have a great year, but I don't think he's going to beat Zach Ertz this week. I think Zach Ertz is the most potent weapon they have on the Philadelphia offense passing-wise. So – I think that he's going to be targeted a lot in the short game and a fair amount in the medium game. They might even huck the ball to him long because I don't even I, – I just I just don't like their wide receiving core. Even though they got wheels uh, – Desha- not Deshaun. Um, help me out here, Noel. Jackson. What's his, is it Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson? Jackson? Yep. Okay, so I did have it right. So he, he's back, and he is one of the best, fastest extenders of the field out in the NFL. So he, he is worth – having on the field not to pass to because he's too old but to have him so he extends the field so that Zach Ertz can get him so at any rate I got to give this one to Zach Ertz so Tariq Cohen now next versus Mike Evans got to give it to Mike Evans Tariq Cohen is amazing and you know without Jordan Howard there now in Chicago I think he's really going to light it up there but I think Mike Evans just is special I mean he is a physical person he is I think Jameis Winston's favorite target. I think he's going to do phenomenal this year. So I think that I would I would put my money in it actually, and that's what the computer says too. Put the check in uh, Mike Evans's favor. Going down the list, James White with New England versus Tyler Boyd of Cincinnati. The computer picks Boyd, but I'm actually going to pick James White, which is kind of a hard thing for me because Belichick's run has not been anything extraordinary except for the last two years. So I would not have wanted any New England running back except for the last two years. And James White has come out as a huge beneficiary of that. In fact, he was the he made top 10 last year in New England as a running back. That's incredible. You normally get that with Gronk, maybe Tom Brady, and then with Julian Edelman. Not a running back. So to see a New England running back in the top 10 is is a change of pace. So I think that James White will be the I would I, if I had to pick these two I'd pick James White this week. The Patriots going against Pittsburgh and the Chargers going against Indy. I don't think Indy's going to be on this week, but I think that Pittsburgh is the Patriots D has been good of late. So I'm going to put, put at the, the computers picking the Chargers. I'm actually going to go with the Patriots here. Uh, the, the computers picking Dan Bailey kicker for Minnesota over Adam Vinatieri. I think that's probably fair. Because Atlanta's got a good offense, so Minnesota has to score to stay competitive. So they're going to have to get down to the red zone, and, and they're going to have to either hopefully score touchdowns for them and kick extra points or get close enough to kick field goals. So I think they're going to be taking a lot of shots with Dan Bailey this, this weekend. And then for the punters, they have Johnny Hecker 
Johnny or, Hothand. Yeah, I would absolutely pick him um, against any punter at this point just because he completed, what, 55% of his passes yep. last year, Noel? Like, when you watch just Google Johnny Hecker passes, the Rams absolutely love fake punts, and they did it 19 times last year, I think, something like that. So you're averaging over one a game. It was a lot. And so not only are you getting the punt points for him, you're getting potential pass points, which the majority of the time they were getting, if at best, a first down or maybe a couple yards. But he could potentially throw a touchdown pass. Oh, yeah. So I really like the idea of Johnny Hecker as like a flexed punter because he really can. He'll get you punting points, which is not going to be anything extraordinary. It's going to be 5 to 10, somewhere in that range. But if he actually gets these bonus points, like we're talking about a little more octane in the tank, he could easily carry Ben to a win. So this one is dead even, in my opinion. I can't pick a winner here, and it's not because Cordy is my wife and Ben is my friend. I can't pick a winner here. I like both of these teams a lot. I think there's enough explosiveness in Le'Veon Bell and DeAndre Hopkins and Joku and Evans on Ben's team to take him to the next level, despite Carson Wentz. I think... On Courtney's team, there's enough firepower in Mahomes, Chubb, Ertz, and Cohen, and believe it or not, even James White to take her to the victory. So I am going to flip a coin here. Ping! Heads. Going to give it to Courtney because Courtney was heads, Ben was tails. So, all right, I think Courtney's going to win by this is going to be a tough one. One of these teams, I would wager, this is going to be my bold prediction of the week. One of these teams is going to be MVT this week. And if Courtney wins, obviously one of these guys is going to blow up. So that, that's my prediction. All right, now let's move on to the next game here. All right. So here we've got the Galloping Galifianakis's owned <laughs> by Grant Larson and the Littleton Spartans, as you mentioned earlier, Mike, owned by Brandon. And this one uh, has a little bit wider of a line. I think, Mike, you, we've, we're kind of seeing that the computer is being a little conservative when it comes to projections and not wanting to uh, have anything get out of hand or at least keep everyone interested in their games. But this one has a wider line with uh, Grant supposedly edging out Brandon 175.1 to 164.7. And I have a hard time, with few exceptions, seeing why that would not be the case. Uh, Mike, I know neither of us are very big fans of Dak Prescott, at least when it comes to being a fantasy quarterback. I think he's a... I think this is going to sound weird. He's an overrated thrower. I think last year he kind of got bailed out a lot by the stunning uh, resurgence but from Amari uh, Cooper and the fact that he, when he gets in the red zone, he gets you some touchdowns with his legs. But he is playing against the New York Giants defense, which I don't know will be much better than last year. And unfortunately, Brandon's starting Joe Flacco for some reason. Uh, <laughs> and um, at best, Flacco is probably going to be a game manager this season. So I think that's uh, that's the right Check mark there. Saquon Barkley, number one running back from last year, running against that Dallas defense, which is mediocre at best, uh, does get the check mark against Todd Gurley playing against Carolina, whose defense we talked about before should be better. And Mike, do you really know what's going on with Todd Gurley? It seems like everyone's like, he's never going to play again. Oh, he's fine. I, I don't, because when I, when I was following him earlier in the season and preseason trying to figure out if I should draft him or not, um, I don't know because the, the big thing is, is he going to play? Is he hurt? All this kind of stuff. I think he'll be fine. I honestly think they know because of his size and power and ability that they're, he will be their key to getting to the playoffs again. One of mm-hmm. the keys, I should say. Because Jared Goff is really good. But Todd Gurley, to me, is arguably the best player on the Los Angeles Rams yeah. now, especially since um, Errol Aaron uh, – Donald went to the – what is he, with Miami now? Where did he go? Uh, Aaron Donald's oh, still on defense on their team. Are you oh, he's still about? on defense. Okay. Well, I was going to say – okay, so oh, I changed uh, my opinion. Dominican Sue was on their team last year, and he went to Tampa. If that's, But he's all that's Okay. So that's what I meant. That's what I meant to say. So my brain is confusing. I had one defensive end right – or the, I had the position right and the right state, but completely wrong <laughs> players and wrong team. So Aaron Donald, I actually believe, is the best player in the Rams, but he's on their defense, so it's not really sure. relevant to fantasy. But So Donkey Kong went down to Tampa Bay. That's what was in my mind. So anyway, that I'm jumping down a rabbit hole here, but I think Todd Gurley will be just fine. So the fact that – God, 
here's the funny thing about this lineup, in my opinion, I'll just go back to it, Noel, but you have Todd Gurley, who is top five, mm-hmm. against Saquon Barkley, easily top five. I think the computer's got this one right. I think Saquon Barkley is, arguably, he could be the top scoring player in fantasy this year. Last year, he scored 592 points. 592 points. Just to put that in perspective, he was scoring 37 points per game. That's quarterback territory. He was scoring 37 points a game, so clearly a a great player. Now, we see that, and so does Dallas. So does the rest of the NFL. So I would not be surprised if they try to figure out a way to stop him because Besides Evan Ingram, Noel, now that they've got rid of Odell Beckham Jr., who does Peyton, not Peyton, Eli Manning, gotcha. that mouth-breathing dummy, have to throw to? They Sterling re-signed, Shepard? Yep, exactly. <laughs> they re-signed him, and he's kind of already not been super healthy during the offseason. I actually don't think I can name another receiver they have on their team right now. Well, they, Okay, so there you go. So I think I think defenses are going to be keyed in to Saquon Barkley. So I don't think he, he, could, he could finish number one again. But because of these struggles, I think the Giants aren't going to make a great team this year. No. I think their teams are going to key in on him. He's still going to do fine. I'm not worried about him at all. I wish I, he was on my team. But in, since it's not, I'm still going to cheer for him because I think he's a great player. So I think I think that I, this is not my call. I don't know why I'm <laughs> saying this. But I would, I would give it to Zegwan Barkley. Agreed. Um, and, Mike, to your point – defenses did kind of start keying on him more at the end of last year, just realizing that really Eli wasn't going to throw the ball deep. Uh, Beckham got hurt. And so he racks up some uh, garbage time PPR points, but he really made his living for me. That is last year on big first halves, especially in the uh, first half of the season. And I'm with you. I think Gurley, he might, I think they're going to probably dial back his touches, but I think he'll be an even bigger part of the passing game this year. Um, on to the next matchup, even though Devontae Adams was number four player or receiver last year and Michael Thomas number eight, they're giving the check mark to Michael Thomas, which I think even against a tough Houston defense, which again, apart from J.J. Watt, I can't really name another player on their defense because they traded away Jadigon Clowney this week. Um, so I don't know who their corners are, but... Michael Thomas just signed a huge contract. He is the main target there in New Orleans. And I think Devontae Adams got a lot of points in not even just garbage time last year, but they threw the ball a heck of a lot. And he was really the only – Devontae Adams was the only receiver that Rodgers really trusted. I think with the change in offense this year, we see a lot more passes to tight ends, a lot more running. Um, I think they'll hopefully not be down as much. This year, so hopefully less garbage time. So I think Michael Thomas is right there. I appreciate Grant starting Noah Fant here. I hope he's fantastic, the rookie tight end for the Broncos. But I, I, I that thing seems to be like the kind of a work in progress against Evan Ingram, who last year just showed flashes of what he can do. He's super athletic, can catch the ball. His really only downfall is not a great blocker, and he does get hurt sometimes. But it's the NFL. Um, on the flex, Brandon Cooks, who, man, if you would have told me he was the top wide receiver, or sorry, the 15th ranked wide receiver from last year, I wouldn't believe you. Mm-hmm. Even though he can take the top off defense, he's quick, he's super shifty, so he can catch the ball like really in short situations and go long. But Josh Jacobs for Brandon here, and Brandon knows this because Brandon always knows when I've got a player that I really want to draft as a rookie. That was Josh Jacobs, who in the preseason just looked really good. Um, he's He catches the ball, which not a lot of Alabama backs have done. And he just looks like a patient runner who also sticks his head and just goes. So I like that there for Brandon. Uh, this is kind of a more, I don't know what these guys are doing here. DJ Moore for Carolina up against Allen Robinson for, for Chicago. Uh, Allen Robinson had kind of a forgettable year last year. DJ Moore has a ton of upside, and Mike, you and I have said this, eventually some receiver besides Greg Olson has to be the guy in Carolina. So maybe it's DJ Moore, which the computer thinks, so we'll see there. That could be kind of a toss-up, which toss-up that's not all that high scoring. Brown's defense against Tennessee, which Tennessee's not going to put up a lot of points, but they're also not going to throw the ball a lot. Uh, Marcus Mariota at this point, they're just asking him not to lose games for them and not get hurt. <laughs> Um, Jaguars defense faces a tough task against KC, although I think 
long term, that's a good defense. Stephen Gostkowski is still in New England against uh, Bill Maher, Brett Mayer. What? I don't know. Um, <laughs> the kicker for Dallas. I, I think Gostkowski's a better pick there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, their punters are punters. So I like this game for Grant, but uh, Brandon's got some. Uh, Brick's got some firepower. I just think there's going to be a few too many spots where, for both teams, unfortunately, they'll be, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then, what is this guy doing? So it could be a, uh, what would you call it, Mike, where it's three or four players blow it up and everyone else, you're like, cool, you got seven points. Uh, I would call that a normal day in fantasy. True, but that seems like a late season kind of crappy fantasy. <laughs> it would. I mean, I don't think that, that I would hope at least that it wouldn't be how your season starts here. I think with these guys, it's possible because I think I think that the everyone except for their flex positions should do okay. The DJ Moore and Allen Robinson, I think, are kind of I don't know those two. I, I don't expect anything out of them this year. So at any rate, okay, let's move on to <laughs> <Good times>. the, <laughs> yeah, all right, big gulps, huh? Well, see, see you later. later. So let's move on to the next game, which is the one that I'm going to review, which is the. Five second chug. I think that's one. Yes. Okay, because I accidentally closed that window. Whoops. Yes, we're professionals. So Indeed. let's look at the. Um, let's look at that game. So this is five second chug Molly against Parker Rams Matt Larson. I almost said Larson. Can't say that anymore because there's it's two Larsons. So it's Matt Larson. So anyways, let's look at the team. So they they have Matt Larson. Uh, oh. So we have. <laughs> We have two Matts and two Larsons. I don't know what to call him. I'm going to have to call him by his full name. So Matthew Larson is projected to win by 11 points here. And let's see if that, looking at each player, if that, that should hold true. So he has Lamar Jackson starting quarterback versus Phillip Rivers here. The computer is favoring Lamar Jackson. And I have to think that's just because they're going up against Miami versus Phillip Rivers, who is a better quarterback in my opinion. But is going up against Indy's defense. So they're giving the benefit of the doubt to Lamar Jackson, and I probably would too here. I like Phillip Rivers more, and I hate to say that, <laughs> but um, I, I just think that Miami's defense is bad, and so that Lamar Jackson has the higher potential to score there, especially with Mark Ingram now there running the ball. They should be able to confuse the defense enough that if they were just to cover Ingram, that's going to free Jackson and the rest of the uh, Baltimore offense up to to throw the ball. So I think that they're going to be. I don't. I'm not. I, I'm not worried too much about the Baltimore offense. I think they're actually going to be pretty dynamic this year. So I have to give that one to Lamar Jackson. James Conner versus Jordan Howard. I like both these guys. I had Jordan Howard last year, and my biggest regret was that he was on the same team with Tariq Cohen because Tariq Cohen is five six. Five six. You're correct. Like he is amazing, a wonderfully dynamic, fast, can hit the hole. Like just an amazing player. Problem was he would steal touches and touchdowns from Jordan Howard. Now Jordan Howard's the star in Philadelphia. Not the case anymore that he's going to be sure. He probably will share time anyways. He's getting older, but I still think he's going to do fine there. Now, having said that, he's going up in this slot at least against James Conner, who is now Pittsburgh stud. He stepped up to the plate big time confusing sports metaphors here but he he <laughs> stepped it to the plate and slapped that tennis ball home and won the stanley cup for got them. A birdie. He, <laughs> he got a birdie and did good so anyways he yeah he i, I really like him i really like him a lot I, I think that he's gonna do very well in pittsburgh now that Le'Veon bell has moved on to not greener pastures just different pastures actually more radioactive pastures now that he's with the new jersey but they Jets. are actually literally greener if that's a you know, uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good and all. And did you notice <laughs> I actually called them the New Jersey Jets instead of the New York Jets? That's where they are. So that makes sense. <laughs> I think it's fair to a certain degree. Molly could probably tell me actually how the um, the breakdown of Manhattan and the boroughs are broken down between the Giants and the Jets. But I don't know. The Jets to me just scream New Jersey, <laughs> where the Giants scream Manhattan. That's just my opinion. Anyway, James Conner is an absolute beast. He was a Number six last year. I think he's going to do really well, though. So I think the computer's right, James Conner. Stefan Diggs, assuming he's playing because he's questionable right now. We're recording Wednesday night, the fourth. Assuming he plays, uh, he will go up against Ashlon Jeffrey, the and- only actual like name brand on the Philly offense besides Zach Ertz. So I think that, I think 
Stefan Diggs is with him and Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen, especially with his yellow shoes, attracts or is it yellow gloves. He's wearing a lot of yellow. He attracts attention. And I think what actually attracts attention more so is that he's a really good wide receiver. So he will pull defenders towards him, which frees up Stefan Diggs and Kyle Rudolph and the like to shine in their own way. So I think Stefan Diggs will have a, a better week than Ashlon there. Looking at Jared Cook in the tight end position versus Delaney Walker, I miss so much that Delaney Walker got on IR last year because this guy is absolutely great. I really think he's awesome. Jared Cook for New Orleans, though, man, when you've got a first ballot Hall of Famer thrown to you, it's hard to argue that he's not a valuable player, especially when I think his overall passing accuracy is 69 or 70%. So if Drew Brees wants the ball to get to you, it will get to you. And with Michael, here's the thing. This is my another kind of crazy bold prediction. Now that Michael Thomas has been paid, I don't think he'll do as well. So I actually think Jared Cook will be a beneficiary of that. I'm basing that off of the idea that once guys get paid, they typically fall off in production. Look at here in Denver, Demarius Thomas. Demarius Thomas's first three years, everybody wanted him to sign for the next 20 because he was so good. Once he got paid, he didn't want to get hurt. So he wasn't running over the middle of the field. He would, he would, it almost seemed like he would drop balls because he knew the safety was going to light him up. So I think that Michael Thomas is still going to do well. I'm not saying he's going to go from like number three wide receiver down to 50. But I just think that he's going to fall out of the top 10. And so Drew Brees is going to have to throw to Jared Cook more. So I actually, the computer's got Jared Cook as much as I love Delaney Walker. He's a really good dynamic player. I think I got to give it to Joe Cook here. Joe, Jared Cook. I'm looking at the next sure, line, Joe. which is Joe, Joe Mixon, since he's running back versus Alvin Joey Joe, Joe. It's <laughs> Joey Joe, Joe. Google that. Google Joey Jojo Simpsons, and you will not be disappointed. Anyways, looking at the flex one position, Alvin Kamara versus Joe Mixon. I love Alvin Kamara. That guy is, especially with Ingram gone, oh, Alvin yeah. Kamara is probably a top three running back right now. So the fact that he's rocking the number, he's rocking a flex position, I think Matthew Larson is, is stacked at, at running back this year. He's got two easily top ten, probably top five, maybe even top three running backs in Kamara and James Conner there. So I have to give that one. I, I like Joe Mixon. I don't like the Cincy anything. Um, so I, even though I like Joe Mixon, I just don't think Cincy's going to be that great. I, I'm sure Joe Mixon will be fine. He's a starter-worthy player, but relative to Alvin Kamara, he's just not there. Leonard Fournette versus Josh Gordon. The computer picks Fournette, and so do I. Because as I think that Jacksonville – Minus Allen Robinson now is going to rely more on its star play. Who's the quarterback in Jackson? Is it Nick Big Foles? Dick. Yeah, it is. Big yeah, that's Dick right. Dick. That's right. It's Big Dick Nick Foles. So he's, he, as he's shown, he's got a great arm. He can bomb it long. So he's going to keep the defenses fairly stretched. So they're not going to have to stack the line to prevent, you know, if the guy can't throw or there's no receivers, they know they could just stop the run and be okay. Not the case in Jacksonville. So Big Dick Nick can actually spread out the defense, and that'll give Leonard Fournette the opportunities to run. I actually like Leonard Fournette here uh, more, especially since Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon should have been, hmm, who's a good relative player? He probably should have been, let's call the Des Bryant of his age. A uh, weird comparison would be, oddly enough, he should have been the Randy Moss of his age. Yes. Like he kind of looks was. like Randy Moss. Yep. Yeah, actually, you're right, Noel. Let me, let me backtrack, and I think Noel's 100% correct here. If he had the opportunities, if he had the abilities, if he didn't have the distractions, he would be that kind of player. But unfortunately, tragedies have befallen him in the form of just a lot of stuff off field. So he hasn't been able to perform to the level that he quite frankly should have. Now, I don't think he's going to. Even though he's playing in New England with arguably the greatest of all time quarterback, I don't think that Brady's going to be that good this year. And by extension, I don't think Gordon is going to be that good this year. So I think that's got to go with Fournette. Looking at the defense, you have the Ravens versus Miami and the Saints versus Houston. I got to go with the Ravens. Miami Miami <laughs> could be the worst team Fire this sale. year. Yeah. They, I, don't, I can't think of anybody. I don't know if anybody actually drafted anybody from the Dolphins this year. I can't. I oh, no. Know. I think. I think um, who's their running back, Noel? Oh, uh, oh you're right. Oh, crap. Kenyon Drake? Yes, thank you. 
Thank you. That was Josh's team last that's year. Right. Um, yeah, Kenyon Drake is the only one that, that was drafted, and honestly, quite frankly, only one really worth looking at on Miami. So Ravens, they're going to walk all over them. So then uh, on the kicker position, we have Harrison Butlicker and Mike Baggs. Wow, that's three consonants in a row. Mike Bagley, Bagley, B-A-D-G-L-E-Y. That's just mean. Whoever When he came over in Ellis Island, they're like, yeah, let's throw a G in the middle of his name. I'll screw with him. So I, I, I don't know. these. I know Butlicker uh, is very good. I don't know about Bagley. So I'm going to give that Bagley. I'm going to give that to Butlicker there. Harrison Butker, uh, Kansas City kicker. I think he'll do great. Britton Colquitt, former Bronco, I think will do fine. Versus Colby Wadman. That's a fun <laughs> name. That's our that's our punter. That's our punter in Denver. I had no idea. So our punter apparently now plays for Minnesota. And Colby Wadman is now playing for us. So I'm going to go with him just based on not the fact that he's a Bronco, but by the last name. Is go Wadman. Wad <laughs> like a really stupid, gross superhero. So I think the, uh, the line has it right. I think that the Parker Rams a.k.a. Matthew Larson's team, are going to win this week. I think they've just got a lot of firepower there. Molly has a great team. I just don't see enough consistency in the players to get her to the to the point where she could really challenge uh, Matt's team here with with Alvin Kamara and James Conner uh, starting there. So I think that the big thing that's going to hold him back is potentially Josh Gordon because he might score you know punter-type points. Yeah. I don't know yet because we, we haven't really seen him – do much in New England yet, especially now with Demarius Thomas there. Josh Gordon could be an afterthought. Who knows? We'll, we'll see that as the league plays out. But at any rate, that's that's my pick. I think the computer has it right this week. I think the Rams will win Matthew Larson's team. And now let's go on to the final game of the week, and we'll wrap up with the poll, and we'll also wrap up with the scoring changes for the year. All right. So the final game is America Doomgivers, owned by the illustrious Matthew Kenfield. And Good Juju and Tressway, owned by the best, well, apart from Space Force, I'll call it a tie, but Josh might be the best continually changing namer of his teams. Um, because this is really good considering he has both Juju Smith-Schuster and Tressway, of course. Um, and this one, unfortunately for my beloved Kenfield here, I do not see going his way. Um Mike, as you said, Tom Brady is not really a fantasy stud. He's fantasy consistent and tends to start off the year slow, which I don't think will be a change we'll see this year. Go against Aaron Rodgers, who had a down year last year between the offense being bad, Rodgers being hurt. Um, new offense, obviously new coach. Going against a very stout Chicago defense, but I think you just have to give it to him there because even though it's going to be a tough matchup, New England starts off slow to start the year. Then Marlon Mack, who kind of uh, came out of nowhere last year, in, uh, to spell, or not nowhere last year, but kind of, uh, was it a year ago or two years ago, Mike, where he took over for Frank Gore? I think I want to say it was end of a couple years ago. So Marlon Mack, he is going to be a fantasy stud for Indianapolis this year, especially with Jacoby Brissett, the quarterback. Matt Breida, as Mike said earlier, is going to get kind of a split backfield situation. Julian Edelman, I really like him if you have him again towards the end of the season. Juju Smith-Schuster is the guy in Pittsburgh now, so that you guys got to give to him. O.J. Howard, who I typically would say is you know got to be, he's on the verge of being a top 10 tight end. Well, in comes Bruce Arians, who as good of an offensive coach as he is, typically doesn't use his tight ends very much, so... I think Hunter Henry actually has kind of a – he could steal it this week, just getting lots of uh, targets in the red zone. Uh, Tyler Lockett, who is super fast, is kind of the number one receiver out of nowhere in uh, Seattle this year after Doug Baldwin retired, but he also returns punts and kicks. However, he although he is going against Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown got no preseason time because of you probably all heard about his helmet situation. I like Antonio Brown down the road for Josh, but I think this might be a slow game for him. So that might even be kind of a toss-up here. However, Kenny Galladay, who's had, had some big games over the past couple of seasons against Amari Cooper, who's playing against the Giants, have to go with Amari Cooper there. Bears defense against Green Bay, obviously. Even though Eagles defense is not nothing to shake a stick at, even playing the uh, Washington team, but I, obviously Green... Sorry. 
the Bears get the nod there. Justin Tucker, the talented operatic whiz, is the better uh, kicker of the two against Fairbarn, who I don't know how to pronounce his name, even though he was number one kicker from last year. And Matt Hack is slated to uh, not do as well as Tressway, who I don't know really who he is either, other than that he sounds like a street name. So with that, yeah, I think Josh has a very good team. Kenfield might have an uphill battle, but it's fantasy football, so who the hell knows? What are your thoughts, Mike? You still there, Mike? Oh, oh. Yes. Yes, ah. I am. So uh, I have a couple of things to add. I laughed a lot at what you were saying. Um, I had <laughs> muted myself because it I happens. had just getting over a cold that Lincoln had got me from being in preschool, which, you know, little kids as a, the parents of the league and the future parents of the league will someday learn your kid will be sick often and you will often catch that. And so that's, I'm just getting over that. I didn't want to be sniveling into the microphone. So I apologize <laughs> for that. That's a very long winded way of saying, I apologize. I wasn't able to answer your question right off the bat, but I agree 100% with what you said. I like both these teams a lot. I think they're going to be very fun to watch play throughout the season. So no, I, I think your assessment was, was great there. Let's, let's wrap up the podcast here. Now the poll is, very, very easy this week, and it's a binary question. It's, are you going to be the next Mile High Champion? Yes or no? And it's almost a psychological question, if you <laughs> believe in yourself or not. I would imagine that there are going to be no no responses. I don't know who responds what. I just know who, you know, I just see that 10 people voted yes, and one person voted no. So hopefully we all have the self-esteem to vote yes. This is an affirmative league. We believe in each other. It's not like the league, the show, where they tear each other down constantly. So at any rate, well, no, that's not true. We used to tear into Dave a lot, but he deserves it. <laughs> Very much so. At any rate, so that's, that's the, that is the league manager's poll, if you care to weigh in on that. Now, the next thing I wanted to mention was the, the changes to the prize system. So last year... I made an executive decision to not have the Super Bowl party covered by the entry fees because we had been doing that from day one. Actually, that's not true. From day one, I was actually just paying for it out of pocket myself. Not a sympathy thing, not a pity thing. I just wanted to have a good time with my friends. So that's why I was doing it. Once we started getting more players and charging more than 25 bucks, you know, my entry fees went from 50 to 75 now to 110 we actually had enough money to go have a Super Bowl party or draft party, all that kind of stuff. With Noel uh, and Kenfield out of town, and actually Ben, too, was in Boston for the longest time. And for a lot of folks that can't make the draft or can't make the Super Bowl party, I didn't think it was fair to them to have to pay their own hard-earned money for a party that they couldn't possibly go to. I, as much as we'd love to see you, Noel or Kenfield, fly into Denver for a Super Bowl party. Yeah. You're going to spend 10 times as much on airfare and hotels <laughs> as you would. I mean, it makes no sense. At any rate, so the prizes last year were changed to be exclusively prizes. So, or excuse me, the, the, the fees last year were now exclusively prizes. So of the uh, $1,340 we take in, some of that goes to covering actual like administrative things. So the covering the the ring that we give the champion every year is like 25 bucks and then getting the nameplate engraved is about 10. So I need 35 of that to do the stuff for the champion. The rest of that will go to fun things. So here's how the money will be broken out for the winner's circle. So the top six teams, the champion will get 250, second place runner up will get 150, third place will get 100, fourth 75, fifth 50 and sixth place 25 bucks. Everyone that didn't make the winner's circle, unfortunately, will not make any prize money in that way. One thing I added this year was the conference champions. Are, there's going to be three of them, obviously, because we have three conferences, the Mountain Pacific and the other one. <laughs> the one that's escaping <laughs> my mind. Uh, wow, I should know uh, this being the commissioner, but for some reason, it is absolutely escaping my mind right now. In Atlantic. Thank you. Thank you. So the, of the three conferences, uh, each one of those champions is going to get, a, a, for winning, they're going to get an extra 25 bucks. So it's really an incentive to win. The most valuable team, as we've been doing for the longest time, will get 20 bucks per week. 
the most valuable player, as we've been doing, will get $10 per week. Another new thing that we've added is the most specialist teams. So <laughs> when you have a amazing kicker and punter combination, not kicker or punter, but the combined score of the two, whoever has that the highest per week will get a nice, crisp Abe Lincoln thrown their way. So $5 a week for the a most specialist box. teams. <laughs> you don't want shroot bucks? <laughs> Oh, Stanley Nichols. What's the ratio of shoot bucks to Stanley Nichols? Oh, crap. Is it uh, leprechauns to to unicorns? (laughs) (laughs) Office quote. You're welcome. Hell yeah. So then the other thing, um, we added three last year, the Mile High Award, which is the most points, four in the regular season. The kind of pity award, the close but no cigars for the team that scored the most points but didn't make the playoffs. That was, I think, Matt Larson last year. It's just, it's such a pain in the ass to score, yeah, a ton of points. So basically, when that happens, you're usually playing the MVT of the week, week after week after week. So you're scoring 200 points, but the guy you're playing or gal you're playing scores 210. So it's a pain in the ass. So as a way of a consolation prize of sorts, you get 25 bucks for that. A new fun one for this year is the Busted Award. So that is another pity award that is awarded to the the first team that has a player arrested. <laughs> and it will happen. It's only a matter of time. I think it would have been Courtney last year because um, the running back of Kareem Hunt. Name? Thank you. Kareem Hunt was arrested. Allie so she would have got... You know, and he got – so her stud player was no longer available. So as a kind of pity prize, you would get 20 bucks out of it. So it, that's going to be a fun thing. So it, here's the last thing. It, it, if one of your players gets arrested, if it happens in the same week or same day, you'll split the prize. If it happens to you, I'm sorry, but at least you'll get 20 bucks out of it. If nobody's players get arrested throughout the season, and fingers crossed, that would be great, it will just get piled into the survivor challenge. Now the survivor challenge starts off at seventy-five bucks, so that's going to be seventy-five bucks, either for one team or as many. I think we had three teams last year splitting the prize. So just to refresh your memory, there, the survivor challenge is if if you're the lowest scoring team of the week, you're eliminated. And the idea is, regardless of you know maybe it's week ten and you're you know two and Eight, and you just feel like ah, I, 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 I'm not going to make the playoffs. This is a lost cause. You still want to compete because you still might be able to compete for the Survivor Challenge and earn 75 bucks, or potentially 95 if nobody gets arrested. So the Survivor Challenge is awarded to the teams that have gone throughout the entire season without being the lowest scoring team of the season. So it was three teams last year. So I think we split 50 bucks a piece, but it's a fun little way to kind of, you know, make sure that you're, you're having fun every week and that you're competitive every week. Cause what I don't want is for somebody to feel defeated and especially heading into the, the big playoff push. I don't want somebody to feel like, man, I've only won a couple of games. There's no, there's no hope for me. That's not fun. The whole point of the Mile High Champions League is to bring friends together in a competitive way that's fun for everyone, that everyone can enjoy. We're a competitive league, to be sure, because we're all successful competitive people. But at the same time, I don't want the Mile High Champions League to be something that is a chore to people or that is not fun. I want the Mile High Champions League to be something that you look forward to participating in and that you have fun with. Every person in the Mile High Champions League, all every second of their lives are spoken for. So it's an honor to me that you're doing this in the first place. And I want the time that you spend in the Mile High Champions League to be worth your time. Because at the end of the day, yeah, we're competing for some fun money and it's good money at the end of the day. But the the biggest investment that you're putting in this league is not the $110. It's your time. Because your most valuable asset is your time. And so I really want to make sure the time you spend playing in the league is worth it and that you're having fun with it. And especially if you're having fun with it. That means a lot to me, and it means a lot to Noel, particularly because we want this league to be uh, fun for everyone. So that was a very long-winded emotional call to say that's what the Survivor Challenge is there to do. It's meant to be a, a fun aspect so that everyone can can stay competitive throughout the entire season. Even if you, you know you're not going to make the playoffs, you can at least have fun still and, and potentially earn some good cash out of it. So at any rate, we've gone through the teams. We've gone through the previews. We've gone through the... F- stupid little poll and we've gone through the 
uh, prizes. Noel, is there anything else you wanted to go over tonight? No, I think we fit everything. Okay, very good. Then I, I think you're right. I agree with you there. I think the only thing we have left to do is send us out. Please do so, Noel. <gasps> go Broncos! Go Broncos, indeed. Good luck, everyone, in the first week. And thanks again for being part of the Mile High Champions. <laughs>